is Cultivating Indigenous Voices, a podcast sharing Indigenous history, topics, and community stories. Hosted and produced by Tina Andrew. Good day and thank you for tuning in. Today's studio guest is a local here in Stukshan or Tucson and has done amazing work, more so with and for the Native population. We also have Carmen here with us today. So let's welcome Melody to Studio 2B. Thank you for being here with us today, Melody. Thank you for having me. Melody is the president of Indigenous Strategies, which offers unique opportunities to the public by providing professional development to Native youth and other entities working with Native students. And as always, I'd like to briefly give the mic over to Melody. And if you can, please share a little bit of your background. No, Melody Yanmatiwa, Itam Hopiet. Good morning. I'm Melody Lopez. I am Hopi, Navajo, Pueblo, and Mexican. I was raised in Los Angeles, California, and so I'm a very urban Indian, <laughs> and I'm also an unenrolled urban Indian, so like really? that's times two. Wow. My generation was a very different thing. Mm-hmm. I'm in my 50s, and you know, when you support tribal sovereignty, you really support things like when they say matrilineal, it's matrilineal, mm. and that's... It's not an issue for me. In my older age, it was an issue when I was younger. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, well, thank you for that introduction. Sure. Carmen, you want to say hello? Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie oik. Okay. Now I find it interesting and exciting to bring you in today to hear about the type of work you provide, not only to Native communities, but to the general public. So when did you decide you wanted to do this type of work, and how long have you been doing it? So... Before we even get into that question, what type of work exactly is it that you do? You know, I've really been trying to define the type of work I do. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go far back and say I have my master's in social welfare from UC Berkeley. And it wasn't social work. It was social welfare. It was caring mm-hmm. for your community. Mm-hmm. And I think I was born into that. And I had parents growing up in Los Angeles that were involved in L.A. AIM. And so that was really just a part of um, the way I grew up. But it was things like my mom was in the kitchen. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that I had parents that were up on the forefront. Or oh, I see. Okay. I had people in my family that were supportive mm-hmm. and listeners. Mm-hmm. And I grew up at a time where we were really looking at tribes coming together and people moving forward and I've always been that. I've always been surrounded by that. So the MSW has allowed me many different avenues of work. Everything from the reason I chose Berkeley was it had an Indian child welfare emphasis. Oh, nice. So I'm a hardcore ICWA girl. <laughs> cool. I am. And I was lucky enough to be trained by the women and men who went and fought for ICWA wow. back in the day. 
So that's like I'm directly impacted by those people that made those changes for us now that we have in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's why I see myself as part of a continuum, really. So I still see the work I do now in the community as Indian child welfare work. Mm -hmm. Everything I do in education, everything I do in social services, all the programming I do, it all has elements of Mm -hmm. social welfare and keeping our people at the center of everything that we do. Yeah, and then that's what one thing about you that I find really inspiring is how connected and close that you've kept yourself, specifically working with the, the Native population. I think that it really shows that the priority that's there as far as uh, providing, the doing the work that you do, pretty cool, I think. Thank you. I think there is many levels to what I do with Indigenous strategies. Mm-hmm. I chose a business model mm-hmm. instead of a nonprofit. And at the time that I made that decision, I'm really not sorry. All I've worked is in nonprofits and tribal mm-hmm. communities. That's all I've ever done. And I've seen a shift in nonprofits where I'm like, they're functioning like businesses. They say mm-hmm. free, 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 but then they're charging and there's oh. little things and there's money mm-hmm. involved. And I just, that part of me felt that it was dishonest. Mm-hmm. And this is just a general statement of nonprofits, not any one nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do a business. I'm going to say, you need to pay me for this. Mm -hmm. And other things I'm going to do for free. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you up front, but it'll be an honest exchange. Mm -hmm. And I I like that model. Mm -hmm. And when I do conferences, when I do workshops, I um, offer something I call the Lester B. Brown Scholarship from my college mentor, Dr. Lester Brown. Okay, yeah. And um, he was very generous and kind. And I was a snarly young person. (laughs) You really can't tell by looking at me in my little red for Ed shirt. (laughs) But um, myself and a lot of the college students back in the day, we were difficult at best Mm. and very Mm activist-orientated as a whole. I don't see that same passion in some of the college students today that mm. that my generation really had. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that it's not there. Mm-hmm. College students, don't get upset with me. You know, I love you. <laughs> but um, we really pushed, is mm-hmm. the thing. We really pushed our institutions yeah. greatly. And um, so Dr. Brown took this group of really snarly kids and was very generous in his knowledge and generous with making sure we were published mm-hmm. and introducing us into best practices and Native communities. So I have this scholarship available if anyone wants to attend one of my conferences, one of my mm-hmm. workshops. If you don't have the personal money and your mm-hmm. agency isn't paying for you, mm-hmm. you come. Mm-hmm. I, I don't say no to people, mm-hmm. especially if they feel they need this information to better outreach to Native students. If they need help with indigenizing curriculum, I'm there for you, mm-hmm. and that's my business model. Mm-hmm. So it's a business, and I this is what makes money for my family, but I run it consistent with who I am mm-hmm. and with a model of generosity and caring. Yeah, the scholarship has definitely been generous to myself as well <laughs> in attending the gathering of educators that you you host. And it's it's been really awesome that that opportunity is there. You know, I guess just mainly for people who, who do work with the Native, uh, Native students. So, yeah, thank you for, for having that. Anytime. Um, gathering of Educators was fantastic this year. Mm-hmm. It's an annual event developed specifically for teachers who work mm-hmm. with Native American students. 
focusing on Arizona Indian students. Mm-hmm. And this year, I, it was called um, Bringing STEM to Native American Students Outside the Classroom. Nice. But it was really a really awesome environmental <laughs> education. Nice. You know, you have awesome. to give things very appropriate titles. But mm-hmm. it was, like, so much fun. We um, featured a screening of the Cherokee Word for Water with mm. Mr. Charlie Soap, nice. who was our keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And it was really great because he's such an amazing, powerful elder. Mm-hmm. And he would just comment in these workshops, and they just, like, blow your mind. <laughs> wow. It's the best thing. It's yeah. like I just feel fortunate to be able to offer these people to mm-hmm. the educators. And, you know, we had people that came from San Carlos, Apache, White Mountain, Babo. You're going to have to correct my pronunciation, but Babo Kivari. Babo Kivari. Babo Kivari. Mm-hmm. Babo Kivari School District came. Um, Sunnyside Amphitheater. Phoenix. So we have these great wow. mix of urban Indian mm-hmm. and reservation Indian um, mm-hmm. educators. And it was just spectacular. And I'd like to say that we were lucky enough at this one that we had support the superintendent from Babakoviri School District. Oh, nice. She was there learning alongside all of her educators. That's I great. love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when superintendents and principals come and join in the learning process, mm, yes. it's an exciting thing. That's awesome. That's good to hear. You know, as we're talking about indigenous strategies, when did that come to be? When did you develop indigenous strategies? About five, six years ago. In truth, it was developed 12 years ago when I came to Tucson. Mm -hmm. All of my children's teacher kept bringing books to me saying, is this a good book? Is this uh, right? Is this and year <laughs> after year they kept asking me these same things, uh-huh. and I was impressed that they cared to yes, tell you the truth. I mean, that's a sure. really great thing that uh-huh. our teachers want, and they also know that information on the internet is not the best, most accurate information, uh-huh. and so it put a kernel in my head that five, six years ago, when I was thinking about what are my next steps. I thought indigenous strategies was just a really good way to go. I called indigenous strategies for several different reasons. One is that I really like not just what Native people here in the lower 48 and Alaska Natives, what we bring, but there's models from Australia, there's Mm -hmm. models from New Zealand. There's a lot of good indigenous strategies out there to use to reach out to our communities. And I think it makes us really strong when we look globally at indigenous societies, Mm, what's happening in Central America, what's happening in African nations, and how European people are dealing with fracking Mm. on their traditional land. So, you Mm -hmm. know, everyone has something. And also, when I work with teachers, I let them know that everyone is indigenous to somewhere. Yes. And that I don't ever want them to feel apart from any of the trainings I do. I want them to identify where they're at. Mm-hmm. and to be comfortable with who they are so they can move forward and work well with our students. Because mm-hmm. really, when any individual can look at their position in relationship to material they're teaching, mm-hmm. once they examine that that's their position, but that there is another position that mm-hmm. might be different than theirs, mm-hmm. that's when they're <laughs> able to work with our youth successfully. <laughs> that's great. Um, and I, I feel that it is important to have what you provide to the general public in regards to 
supporting teachers or educators, those who work with the Native youth populations. It's important to have somebody from an Indigenous background who better understands to, you know, do trainings and workshops. Uh, I guess because for my position, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Uh, being that go-to when it comes to making sure certain things are accurate or certain things are appropriate. So, yeah, I definitely feel that it's an important component in the city of Shukshan um, for people to have. And I think that they're they're pretty um, lucky to have something like this because you can't find things like this in a lot of places, I guess. Well, that's what I try to do mm-hmm. in both my professional work and with Indigenous Strategies. Mm-hmm as well as my different places I volunteer, Mm -hmm. like the Native Education Alliance or the Arizona Indian Education Association. I'm always looking, and usually the groups I work with, we're looking at places where there's gaps and holes. Mm, Because that's the thing, there are so many gaps and holes. Yes. And, you know, filling that need, that's really what needs to be done. So what um, what what other hats do you wear? Oh, wow. (laughs) I have lots of hats. (laughs) What are your favorite hats? (laughs) Okay, okay. Favorite hats. Um, Locally, we have, I'm part of the Native Education Alliance in Tucson. Mm -hmm. We are a group of grassroots volunteers for the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. We bring together different Indian education directors both from the four local school districts that have them, as well as from the San Javier District Education, mm-hmm. Don Nation Education, and the Yaqui Education Services. Mm-hmm. We come together, we volunteer our time to do mm-hmm. different programs, free programming for youth and communities. I love NEA. <laughs> After 12 years, we actually just decided to go nonprofit. Oh, wow. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so I'm helping with that. Right now, we're in high planning for Land Speaks. Nice. And Land Speaks began as a place to connect native languages to the land because our theory is that the land contains all knowledge. Yes. And so we definitely want to honor the language of this land. Mm-hmm. So the Anatom languages is highly featured. Mm-hmm. We also feature Yaqui language, mm-hmm. Yoeme, mm-hmm. as well as Hopi, Navajo, and any other language groups that wish to um, be around mm-hmm. and wish to people to speak about it. Mm-hmm. So this year, we had a walk for water a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so the youth that keep, every time they see me, Melody, when are we going to walk? Melody, when are we going to walk? Awesome. And it's cool because it was an, like an eight-mile walk. Wow. Um, to the, from San Javier, from the um, reservoir, all the way down to the Hictan. Mm. So it's a lovely eight-mile oh, yeah. jaunt. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But the kids want to do that again. They loved it. It was a prayerful activity. Yeah. So we're looking at doing um, a different type of walk this time, really, um, again, beginning at the Hikdan, mm-hmm. but really mindfully examining the plants and things that are living there cool. and walk them through the farm yeah, and get them in touch with the things and the places they're grown on the farm. And then we're going to express. And along the way, we're looking to have some elders talk about plants and oh, about nice. farming and agriculture and the importance of land and mm-hmm. water. Wow, so incredible. And then after we eat, when we get back to the farm, so we'll be eating food from the land, then we're going to look at creating some art pieces. 
And yeah, I'm super excited because this year we always look for different collaborators in the Native Education Alliance. It's always like open and free. Mm -hmm. Different people come in and out through the years. Mm -hmm. And um, the Arizona Humanities Council is going to help fund the art projects. Mm -hmm. And we're really looking at that some of the things that the youth create may be um, given over to kind of a display that travels in Arizona for indigenous youth perspectives of land and water. So that's really cool because to me it's it's really much about youth voice. That kind of leads me into AIEA, okay. so the Arizona Indian Education Association. Mm-hmm. And I've been the vice president for the last two years. Okay. I love it. It's a great crew of people. Nice. And we're all very passionate about our youth and about what's going on in education in a statewide manner. And I think we really reached a turning point about two years ago. AIA does this wonderful, amazing college conference, college-going conference. And we had a college-going conference. It just happened to be a huge snow day in northern Arizona. Oh. <laughs> so we had really low participation. Oh. And we were like, hmm, I wonder what's going on besides, you know, the snow and people not being able to come. <laughs> and we asked our youth, what do you need from us? Mm-hmm. And... I love our youth. Gosh, these Arizona Indian youth are just the best. (laughs) From all sorts of different tribes all around the state, they said, we want someone to teach us to protect our land. We want to know our treaties. I said, you want to know your treaties or you want to know other tribes' treaties? And they're like, oh, no, we want to know what's going on with other tribes. We Mm want to know to help our tribe. And I was like, wow, this is like so vibrantly different than like when I grew up. Uh Uh-huh. In my generation, there were several people that grew up, like, it wasn't simply they didn't leave the reservation. They didn't leave the village. Wow. And I've talked to Atlan people where they were like that, like, oh, yeah, we didn't leave the village. Wow. And, you know, so our concerns were very much our tribe, our Mm -hmm. village. Mm -hmm. And seeing these youth, I want to know what's going on in different places. Mm -hmm. And I know Standing Rock had a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it really just broke open this generation of youth who are so concerned and they're very centered in who they are tribally Mm -hmm. but they really want to learn and like okay we're going to do this and AIA just got together our executive committee and we're like you know what ASU, NAU, U of A they do amazing college going conferences do we need to be doing a college going conference Mm -hmm. and this is what I talk about filling those holes yes Like, the kids aren't asking us Mm -hmm. to take them to a college. They have wonderful, dedicated people that do that. Mm -hmm. They're asking us to protect the land, Mm. to teach them how. And so we actually, AIA, created a summer camp, Protecting (laughs) Our Land Summer Camp. That's awesome. Wow. And, yeah, we, we responded within that year. Cool. So that the kids who asked for it had an opportunity to attend it. That's great. And we're continuing that. And it's going to look different every year. Last year, the big um, the big goal was to create a youth environmental policy statement that they could share. Mm, okay, and they did, and oh, it kills. Wow. <laughs> it's so great. I love these kids. And we had elders in residence, mm-hmm. and um, the elders were so great. And what we would do as AIA and camp staff, we'd say, "Oh no, don't don't present to us. Present to the elders. Nice. Look at them. Yes. Woo." It changed. Those kids' attitudes changed when they were talking to elders. (laughs) That's amazing. And so like, oh, yeah, this is gold. Gold." Yes. And so that's why I think they have such a vibrant, strong statement. Mm -hmm. Soon after they released that statement, 
the Native American Fish and Wildlife Southwest Region mm. released a statement in support of them. Mm-hmm. We had kids traveling to oh. conferences, to mm-hmm. their tribal council meetings, and presenting this policy statement. So yeah. the youth, it didn't just last that particular summer camp, yeah. but it's... It went beyond that, huh? And that's the goal. That's awesome. So we're looking at continuing that camp. Great. But so that I love that. That's vol- That's like my volunteer work. And it's like <laughs> wow, the best. Is that not the best? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So actually what we've decided to do, because this is the second year now, and we are going to shake up the camp. We're not going to do another policy statement. Mm-hmm. We really want to take them now to Steps of Learning about Advocacy. Mm. And so I'm getting some really great help from the Indigenous People Law and Policy Office here at U of A. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at being a tri-university effort. So we, we've also reached out to ASU and NAU and getting feedback from them, too. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm asking the ones who attended last year if they'd like to be kind of like cabin mentors mm-hmm. and kind of give them more of a position mm-hmm. of leadership at the camp. Nice. Now, they can be an attendee. That's fine. But we're looking at taking it to that next level for them. Sweet. Because we also provide college mentors who run groups, too. Okay. So, you know, every year it's going to get stronger and look a little different. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's great. It's very exciting. Cool. That's really cool. I hope one year I get to, you yeah. know, check out one. It sounds really interesting. It's so much fun. It's up in um, the hills outside Prescott. Mm-hmm. And it's on traditional Yavapai Prescott land. Oh, okay. And actually, we we talked to them, and they gave us the traditional spelling for protecting our land. And so we use that on the camp name. Oh, great. Their chairman came and spoke with our youth. And they provided, like, a nice lunch for the kids. (laughs) So we also worked with the people of that land in designing that camp. So we look forward to continuing to working with them. Awesome. That's, uh, but there's no tech there. <laughs> <laughs> there was no, there's no um, cell, nothing. Yeah. So it's very low tech experience. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can come, but. <laughs> all right. So, you know, with all the things that you have been involved in, what are some of the challenges that you found in the way or how are you able to get around some of those things? I think... Most of what I do involves with the first initial thought I have is a challenge. Something negative happens. Something occurs. Maybe it's to me personally or my children. Uh, Maybe something happens from a parent. Maybe a student pulls me aside and says something. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot going on that is very difficult and challenging Mm -hmm. um, for Native students in the Native communities right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And I allow myself to feel it. And I usually get pretty angry. Wow. Yeah. And I have to take that energy and think about, and what can I do with that? And that's usually how my programs are developed, (laughs) is off that kernel of challenge. Yeah. And so a program I'm doing right now with Indigenous Strategies. I'm involved in a grant called Engaging Native Boys. Mm. It's an exploration And it kind of began with, well, where the heck are our boys? Yeah. Um, As educators, we kind of, we talk about a little bit, and we talk about um, high school and the graduation rates. And we talk about college and who's going to college and then who's graduating college. And we're trying to figure out these things. And while we're talking about these educator things, 
Native Education Alliance AIA were also all friends mm -hmm. with children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about what's going on with our young men. And we're talking about like a typical Hopi conversation would be like, where are the men in the Kiva? Mm -hmm. Where are the young men in mm -hmm. the Kiva? Mm -hmm. And as you have that conversation with someone who's not Hopi, they're like, you know, I haven't seen young men in our ceremonies. So there's this discussion about our tribal life ways mm -hmm. and where are young men. And I saw a merging of these ideas. We're not seeing them in our ceremonies and our tribes. Mm. We're not seeing them graduating high school. We're not seeing them in college. Where are young men? Where are young men? And as we were having these conversations and I was looking for different ways to express this and finding partners to help me explore this, Standing Rock happened. Oh, wow. And I'm like, hey, look, young men. <laughs> there they are. Ta-da. <laughs> you gave them a chance to behave in their role as yes. protectors. Mm -hmm. And there are tons of young men. And that was like a huge awakening. And so this project's examining engagement of, of young men in education, tribal lifeways, and environmental stewardship. Because we, I, I think those three things are interrelated. Mm -hmm. And it's what we're doing is very simple. We're actually in the place now where we're asking young men, we're going to different places, different tribes, different urban areas, asking young men, what engages you? Mm -hmm. Now, because we're working with, we're asking college students as well as high school students, middle school students, and those who have left the system entirely, mm -hmm. we're using some different words. But it's three questions. What engages you in education? What engages you in your tribal life ways? What engages you in environmental stewardship? Mm. So that young men can tell us what works. Yes. Because going to the negative, where are they? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. Talking about dropout rates. All of mm -hmm. that's not going to help us. We mm -hmm. can just spin out into that academically for days, for years, for decades. Mm -hmm. And that's been done in Indian country. Trust me, with my MSW, mm -hmm. all I had when I was in college pre-internet folks <laughs> was a lot of articles on why Indians drank alcohol. Mm, wow. It was the nastiest thing. There was real yeah. historical trauma wasn't discussed. Yeah. I, there was no such word. Those two words weren't paired yet. Mm -hmm. So asking what works, it starts off with this negativity and then we are trying to move into something positive. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping at this end of talking to these different young men, um, we're hoping to bring that back to the different communities mm -hmm. and have an open intergenerational dialogue where some of the young men will take leadership roles in this mm -hmm. and talk about what works for them so we can start moving forward in a good way, in a positive way. Yes. And that's so that's what's the challenge? The challenge is all the negativity out there to combat, mm -hmm. picking where can I make a difference, and then facing that boldly because... I think being unapologetic advocate for your people, and when I say your people, I've said that word a lot, is for me, I'm mixed, I'm mm -hmm. urban, and so I tend to see all Native students, Native peoples, as having relations to. So when I say my people, your people, it's very broad. And so I think that um, being an unapologetic advocate for your people is very important. And yes. especially when I see the young people out there right now and the things that they're doing, I went through a tremendous shift in life, actually, for a whole year, 
2017 was not my year. It was not a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to kind of go away inside myself and think through things, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. And I kind of came out of that in 2018 saying, I'm an unapologetic advocate in whatever role you're going to put me in. If you're going to hire me onto your team, um, please know that I'm going to push you to give your very best to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to push you. If you say that you're going to be using indigenous knowledge systems, I'm going to really ask you to dig deeply into that notion and how do you get there and how does that take. And I'm really going to ask you to challenge yourself as a professional mm-hmm. in working with me. And that's for my non-Native companions that I work with. And then for my Native people, it's just going to be challenging us to be the best. And are we listening to the youth? Mm-hmm. Are we listening to what we want or are we doing what we think they need? Mm, yes. And I, I'm really happy to say I'm in a lot of good spaces with people. Mm-hmm. Where I think we're really listening to our youth. And I think that we're beginning to develop what they need. But I still occasionally have to challenge colleagues mm-hmm. about did the youth really say they want that, mm. or are you saying they want that? Yes. You know, it, and it's it's a slippery slope because they say, oh, we need to give mentoring. Did they say they want mentors? <laughs> yeah. And did they say they want you as their mentor? Because <laughs> I don't know if they want me as their mentor. Yeah. I'm kind of like their auntie. Uh-huh. You know? I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, mentor. Did did they say they really want that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Does that answer that question? Yes, okay. it, absolutely. I mean, uh, I love that answer. <laughs> that was an awesome answer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even write it down or anything. I <laughs> but, I mean, I think it's absolutely amazing what you and your team are doing. These youth today are very lucky to have what they have. I didn't have those opportunities and to see them take advantage and stand out, stand up. It's it's just like mind blowing. And I'm so proud of each and every one of them who see the bigger picture, who understand. And for those people who are still trying to put down our youth, that's it's too bad. You know, they're missing out on a lot of great things. And it's too bad that they they fail to see what they're capable of. Uh, I work with youth all the time, Native youth, and I'm, I tell them that. And I, when I talk about them, I always say how proud I am of them because it's just absolutely amazing. I feel confident in them. And I, I usually just, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, they, they get it. They know what's up, you know. They do. They really do. And they know it from the most interesting young ages. Mm-hmm. Another project I'm on is helping develop um, a Native 4-H. It's at the San Javier Forum right now. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to be developing one with um, Yagi Education Services. Mm, okay. But we started first at the farm. I mean, that's a natural 4-H farm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty nice. But we were doing a um, water, f- selling water fundraiser at the Junior Rodeo last Saturday. Mm. <laughs> and you know the best thing. So I had a, you know, kind of talked a little bit about kids, about this is how you sell, and I really left it up to them. Mm-hmm. And most of the kids in the club are like nine, ten-year-olds. <laughs> well. They're not teenagers. I think we all were expecting, like, teenagers. <laughs> and we got these nine, ten-year-olds who are all mind-blowingly amazing. Aww. Let me just tell you, <laughs> they're, like, strong scientists, but they're also mm-hmm. so confident in who they are. 
I mean, it's just, it's bananas. Mm -hmm. And there was one little girl at the water sale, and I think she was like five or six. I'm like, okay, can you wash watch the cash box. Everybody else had kind of left. I don't know oh, what was happening at yeah. the rodeo, so everyone kind of skedaddled. It was me and this five-year-old. I'm like, you need to watch the cash box. And she looks at me because she's not really a big talker. Yeah. She puts her hand on the cash box, and she just has that look. She looked like a grandma. <laughs> and she looked like anyone touched this cash box, they're going to lose their hand. And I'm like, she really has this. She is totally taking care of this cash box. Confidence for a five-year-old to be at a cash box. It's just like so cool. And all these kids, these like five Mm -hmm. to ten-year-olds, yes, there's a few, 11 to 15, Mm -hmm. but they're just spectacular in Mm -hmm. the way they think. It's really cool because it's it's a STEM club, so it's very mm. science-focused. Nice. And all these kids are like these brilliant little scientists. Awesome. <laughs> but then they take their traditional values. Mm-hmm. And so, like, once they learn to make, like, a traditional fire. But we had to talk about the word traditional because, you know, mm. we all have to discuss what is traditional. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about what that word means. Mm-hmm. I said, so I don't want traditional, like, when your grandparents – were around traditional because I'm old enough to be your grandparent. <laughs> no, that's not traditional. W- traditional, how long have we been here? And this is a question I asked. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because the kids kept raising their hands and giving different answers. And this six-year-old little boy raised his hand. He says, always, you're right, baby. <laughs> that's the answer. Yes. And I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. He has that scientific knowledge, but he also has that cultural understanding mm-hmm. that we've always been here. Yeah. How great is that with yes, these kids? that's amazing. I mean, I don't – the more you work with them at any age, you're just like, I'm just going to listen to what you have to say. I'm going to ask you some questions. Yeah. But then I'm just going to listen <laughs> because all their stuff is good. Yeah. It's yeah. just – it is really something. Mm-hmm. I think it's mind-blowing. I do hear some people say things kids can't do. I'm like, oh, you don't work with kids, do you? Oh, yeah, for sure. You really don't. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm just super excited about, you know, the information that you shared today. And for the listeners out there, I I hope that you're taking some awesome things away because this is an awesome, great conversation that we're having. I'm really happy with it. Um, But, you know, we're running out of time right now. But if there is any last words that you have for the listeners out there, things to think about, things to consider, whatever it is, even shout outs, um, you're free to do so now. You know, I've mentioned a few different times, and I really want to uh, give a shout out to all the water protectors. It's been a year, Mm -hmm. and... I talked to different ones in different ways. My own daughter served as a medic for three months during the winter. Mm-hmm. And the world has moved on from that. And their experience was so powerful and so relevant that that's the shout I'd like to give. I'd like to thank them for their service to Indian country, to creating this, this fire for our Native youth, because I really think that what happened there, it wasn't a place. It was was an idea and that idea still lives and in all the things that the different water protectors in all the things that the different water protectors do it still lives through them Mm -hmm. and i don't want them to forget that yes because they're not forgotten and 
when they practice any inch of what they learned up there, mm-hmm. they're, they're keeping alive all the things that happened. So that's my last shout out. Well, thank you, Melody, for uh, coming in the studio today and sharing all your, you know, all your things that you're doing for the people. Um, I really respect you in that way, and I'm happy to have met you um, and to know all the awesome, great work that you do and and that you're here. Um, so thank you for, for everything. Asquali, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. It's I've been writing notes this whole time. I'm like, yes, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so you're very, ins- you're like inspiring me to continue and kind of reevaluate what I'm doing with my education and also what I'm teaching others. Mm-hmm. It's a good process, reevaluation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, all those who have tuned in. This is Cultivating Indigenous Voices. Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode. If you like what you just heard, feel free to check out previous episodes at kxci.org. This podcast is supported by KXCI Tucson, Real People, Real Radio.